Well, I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this day for some time, believe it or not, because today we're going to begin a new series that, um, that is going to challenge us a little bit to look at who we are, what we do in the world around us. You may be familiar with the, the little desktop toy, really, that uh, really kind of kind of started uh, growing in popularity in the 70s. Uh, it's named Newton's Cradle, although Newton had nothing to do with its invention. It's named, it's named Newton's Cradle because it demonstrates for us some of the laws of physics that Newton described and explained for us. And while we'll not take time, I don't even know that I could, but we'll not take time to go into a big old science lesson on all the different uh, physics laws that are, that are uh, involved in it. But I do want to just tell you about one. It's called the conservation of momentum. The conservation of momentum says that when two things have momentum, when they collide, the, the amount of momentum they had before the collision is the same as the amount of momentum they have after the collision. What that means in this case is this first little dude right here, he comes in with a lot of momentum. I know y'all can't see over there. Use your imagination for me, okay? He comes in with a lot of momentum. Now, the balls in the middle don't move very much. They move a little too much on this particular gizmo because this particular gizmo is poorly built. <laughs> but the first one comes in with a certain amount of momentum. That momentum is transferred to the next ball, transferred to the next one, transferred to the next one, and then you see it come out in the last one. Momentum then is conserved. It's the conservation of momentum. You don't lose it. It just gets transferred from one to another to another to another. So if I do one ball on this side, I get one ball over here. If I do two balls on this side, I get two balls over here. Why? Because conservation of momentum. It's the same amount of momentum at work. I can pull three balls back, and sure enough, there will be three that move. Why? Conservation of momentum. The momentum doesn't change. All right? The reason I want to show you this is because this is what we're going to talk about for the next five weeks. How we can live our lives in a way that causes a transfer of momentum into the lives of those around us. That we can, if you want to use the term, have an impact on the world that affects others. If you look at our title for the series, Impact, but then look at the subtitle, because that describes what we're really talking about for the next five weeks, the power of a significant life. It's the power of impact. The power of a significant life. You do not want to accept Jesus and become a Christian and then just exist until you finally go to heaven. 
That's not what any of us is called to do or to be. What we want to do is accept Christ and thereby give our lives to Him so He's now the Lord, He's in charge, and we're going to live for Him. And then He begins to use the spiritual gifts that He gave us to build His kingdom and to glorify the Father. As that happens, as the Holy Spirit now begins to develop the gifts and use them, to build the kingdom and glorify the Father, what happens is we start having an impact on the world around us. We start living a significant life instead of just being put on hold until we finally get to go to heaven. We get to make a difference in the world. That was the plan. Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount by saying to those who were listening... You are the salt of the earth. You're the the light of the world. If the salt has lost its saltiness, it's good for nothing except to throw it out in the street and use it like gravel. And you don't take a light and hide it under a bushel, but instead you put it it on a stand where everybody can see, like a a city at night where you can see that, that light shining. Why? Because... If the salt never meets the meat, it's worthless. If the light stays hidden, it's worthless. And so he says, get out in the world, make an impact, make a difference. Live a significant life. And so I want to challenge you over these next five weeks to memorize this verse with me. In the context where he's talking about we're the salt, we're the light, we're to have an an impact. He sums up that teaching with this verse. This is familiar to you. If you have ever been to a Christmas Eve service in our church in the last 15 years, you've heard me end the service with this verse. Once we light our candles and the, and, and the room now is, is lit up with everybody's candle and the wax is running down on your finger and you're watching the kids and making sure they're not starting the, the pew in, on fire and, and uh, yeah, while all that's happening, we're singing Silent Night. And then I end by reminding you, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Beloved, I believe that this verse summarizes our purpose once we become believers. This verse summarizes why you still breathe after you accept Christ. So I want to challenge you to memorize this verse. Matter of fact, let's just read it together so we can start getting it in our heads, okay? Would you read this with me? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I don't think I broke that. If I did, I'll make it right later. Okay. (laughs) Beloved, start working on that verse. Get it down. If you don't have the app where you're going to have it memorized, where you're going to have it recorded, write it down somewhere. Okay? I want you to work on this all week so next Sunday we can say it together. This morning, we're going to begin just to scratch the surface of how we can live this out. And it begins with the power of belief. The power of a significant life begins with the power of belief. 
if we are indeed going to have an impact, it starts by figuring out what we believe. Why? Because your beliefs lead to your actions. That makes sense, right? Your beliefs lead to your actions. Then your actions determine your impact. Your beliefs lead to your actions. And it is your actions that determine whether or not you're going to have a significant life. That's why he says, let your light so shine before men that they see those good deeds, those works, those actions. And give you a hand, clap for you, give you an award, give you a certificate? No. Why? Because salty that's selfish is yucky. Remember? No. You do good works so that they see those good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's our purpose. To bring Him glory. To build His kingdom. And if that is so important, if, if it all starts with our beliefs, then we have to make sure that we base our beliefs on something reliable. Everyone bases their beliefs on something. Either you base your beliefs on your feelings or on, on, on popular trends or pop psychology or current philosophies or political posts on social media or your favorite news station. We, we all base our beliefs on something. And if beliefs lead to actions and actions determine impact, I want to challenge you this morning to make sure that your beliefs are based on something reliable. On, in Psalm 33 and verse 4. I want you to hear those words. Psalm 33 and verse 4 says, The word of the Lord, God's word, the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The word of the Lord is right and true. This is the reliable place upon which I can base my beliefs. That's where this all begins. The first step in making sure that my beliefs are based on something reliable, the first step in living a life that has an impact because of the power of belief, the first step is to base my beliefs on the Bible. It says God's word is right and true. Isn't it interesting that he uses both of those words? The reason both of those words are there is because you can be true and not be right. Do you know that? If you don't believe me, look at the political rhetoric involved in any political issue. Look at what people say when they post something on social media, when they tweet, when they put something on Facebook. Look at what they say in their letters to the editor. Look at what they say when they are 
when they're on the, the evening news. If you're careful to look at what they say, you'll notice that oftentimes when it comes to political issues, they will take just a kernel of truth, but then they will take that kernel of truth out of its context and they'll play with it and they'll twist it and they'll add to it and they'll stretch it so that what was true is not right. We have a reliable source upon which we can base our beliefs that is right and true. Some folks need to stop and think a little bit about who you're really listening to. And we need to make sure that our primary source of wisdom, guidance, and direction is the one source that we know will always be right and true. There are three reasons why we can trust the Bible as the foundation of our beliefs. There are three reasons why I can base my beliefs on the Bible. One, the Bible is inspired by God. That's one reason that I can trust it, that I can base my beliefs on it. It is inspired by God. That fact alone makes it different from every other book that has ever been written. It and it alone is inspired by God from beginning to end. Now you say, but wait a minute, people wrote the Bible in all different times. There, there are 40 different authors in the, that, that wrote the Bible. That is absolutely true. About 40 different people wrote the Bible. They, it was their hand that, 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 that guided the, the pen or the quill or whatever they were using back then. But it was inspired by the same God from beginning to end. From Moses to John, from Genesis to Revelation, God inspired the words that those authors wrote. Because it is inspired by God, I know I can base my beliefs on it. Second reason that I know I can base my beliefs on it is that it is reliable. You look at the span over time in which the Bible was written, 1,600 year period it took to write the Bible. 1,600 years it took to write the Bible. Again, over 40 different authors, over 1,600 years, from very different walks of life. Some are kings who wrote the Bible. Some were tax collectors. Some were prophets and priests who wrote the Bible. Some were fishermen. Some started out as murderers of Christians. Very different people over a long period of time. And yet never once does the Bible contradict itself? It's reliable. Sometimes our understanding is incomplete and so we get confused, but the Bible itself never contradicts itself, even though it's written by that many different people over that many different years. Why? Because the Bible is reliable. And thirdly, because the Bible is relevant today. 
This is perhaps one of the most amazing things about the nature of the Bible. Yes, it, most of it was written a real long time ago, and then all of it was written a long time ago. That's true. But the amazing thing is that God inspired it in such a way that it is still absolutely relevant to our lives today. We can still read it and get guidance and wisdom and direction, and we can find truth. God is still using the Bible to touch hearts and transform lives. Second Timothy explains that to us. It says all scriptures is God-breathed. That's the word that is translated inspired. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All of scripture is relevant to help us, to teach us all that we need to know about life. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good Where did we start? We started Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works or deeds. The whole point is that you'll make a difference, have an impact. And this says in 2 Timothy that the Bible is what is here to train us, to help us, to teach us how to do those good works, those good deeds, to have an impact on the world around us. So you see, the power of a significant life begins with the power of belief. And the power of belief begins when I base those beliefs on the Bible. Then, the second step is to read the Bible. The first step to find the power of belief so that I can find the power of a significant life, the first step to really have an impact is to base my beliefs on the Bible. The second step is to actually read the Bible. It does no good to own a Bible. I won't, I won't put anybody on the spot or, or make anybody feel uncomfortable, but wouldn't it be fun if I ask you to raise your hand if you own a Bible, including digital Bibles on your phone. Wouldn't it be fun then if I said, how many of you own two Bibles? How many own three Bibles? I think we'd be surprised how many of us own multiple Bibles. But you know, it does absolutely no good at all to own a Bible. It does absolutely nothing to own a Bible. The only time it does any good for you or the world around you is when you actually open it and read it. Owning a Bible does not mean you're pleasing God. It does not mean you're living His life. It does not mean you're fulfilling your purpose. Owning it is useless unless you open it and read it. Joshua 1.8 reminds us, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do 
everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditate on it day and night, it says. What does meditate mean? In this context, it means think. Open it. Read it. Think about it. That's how it begins to make a difference. That's how it changes our lives so that our lives then can have an impact on the world around us. If I'm going to have an impact, I have to base my beliefs on the Bible. I have to read the Bible. And then I have to apply the Bible. Just like it does no good to own it, it actually does very little good just to read it. If all I do is read it and say, I'm a good little Christian, I read my Bible. It really doesn't do much. When it really starts to make a difference and have an impact and serve its purpose so I can serve my purpose is when I read it, think about it, and then actually do it. James 1 and 22, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I love it when he says, don't deceive yourselves because, you know, when you hear something you agree with, you assume that you're doing it. You ever notice that? When you hear something you agree with, you assume that means that you're living that out. And you deceive yourself. You open the Bible and you say, yes, that's amen. That means that's part of my life. In reality, it just means... You like what it said, and it connected with you. It's not a part of your life until you actually do what you've learned, until you actually live out what's there. It is when you apply and live out God's Word that you have maximum impact on the world around you. And so Hebrews chapter 4 says the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to, the, to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Word of God is alive and active, and it can make you alive and active when you apply it. That's how you begin to have an impact on the world around you. If I'm going to live a life that makes an impact, I have to base my beliefs on the Bible. I have to read the Bible, apply the Bible, and I have to know the author of the Bible. The only way for this to really make a, a difference in my life so that I can make a difference in the world around me is if I realize that this is not a textbook. It's not really just about the information included here. It is instead a vehicle that allows me the opportunity to interact with the author. It really is a, a love letter from him to me that puts me in a position that allows me to interact with him and respond to that love. It is the way that he reveals himself. When Jesus was here, he used the term logos, that he was the living word. Now that Jesus no longer walks among us where we can see him, this is the revelation. This is how God reveals himself. 
in the written word. And the way that we can make this make a difference in our lives is by knowing the author, using this to interact with him, that we might learn and grow. The reality is you cannot know the author of this book if you reject his son. You cannot know God unless you receive and accept Jesus his son. John 14 and 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to have an impact on the world around you? You want to make a difference? You want your life to be significant? It starts when you trust in Jesus. Once you trust in Jesus, then you base your life, you base your beliefs on that which is reliable and true, His Word to us. So my question for you this morning is, have you begun the process, have you begun the life that is significant? It begins with a personal relationship with Jesus. Have you trusted Jesus? I don't care if you believe that He exists. I don't care if you show up for church. I don't care if you wear a cross or call yourself a Christian. What I'm asking you is, do you know Him? Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that's where all this begins. That's how you begin to have a life of significance.